Hello and welcome to the University of Spiritual Warfare one more time. We are delighted to have you with us and in for a little surprise tonight. We're not going to be talking about war and what's going on in the Middle East. We're going to be bypassing that. And instead of talking about all that stuff and wasting thought, energy, and thought power on that, what we're going to do is we're going to get behind the scenes and teach you something. So this way you will be what? Wiser. You will be wiser and better prepared for what is at hand. Because nothing just happens. That's our topic tonight. Nothing just happens. Everything is planned. No matter what you see going on out there in the world, it is planned. Why do you say that? Well, number one, God is a planner. God is a what? He's a planner. God reveals his plans and what he's about to do in the Bible. He will not do anything outside of his word. So God is a planner, and he has the master plan. Now, Satan is an imitator or an imitation planner. Satan makes plans also based upon what God has planned. Why? Because he wants to imitate God. He wants to get glory that God is getting. And the Bible tells us that God will not give his glory to another. So we know that Satan will never... It says that surely the sovereign Lord will do nothing without first revealing it to his servants, the prophets. God acts upon a plan, and he has revealed that master plan in the Bible. So we have the master plan, we have the outline. Just the little details we have not seen or we have not seen them filled in yet. But as time goes by, we can fill in the blanks, fill in the details, because we know that God has the master plan and he has it all under lockdown, all under control. Now, the master plan is going to go one direction and one direction only. God's plan is going to go to the north. His plan is going to go in his direction. And Satan's plan is going to go south. It's going to go in his direction. So no matter what we see going on, we see evil going on, that's part of Satan's plan. That's part of what Satan is planning on doing. Now, We saw a news article recently. There was a new move to impose an outright ban on the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. The Ukrainian Orthodox Church is a Christian church. Worship is a little different. They have those massive cathedrals. And it's similar, kind of, sort of like a Catholic service, but, you know, with a more ordained, uh, ornate cathedral and places of wor worship. The services are 
similar, but they're very strong Christians. So you have the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. Now, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church has a fellowship with the Russian Orthodox Church. Why? Glad you asked. They are fellow Christians. They are fellow Orthodox Christians, two separate denominations, but they are brothers in the Lord. Jesus unites them. And for that reason, for that reason, they are imposing a ban on the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. Why? Because they have a fellowship with the Russian Orthodox Church, which are fellow Christians and brothers in the Lord. So they have found a good reason to divide them and put a ban on it. So it means the churches will be seized in Ukraine, the Orthodox churches, and they will be arresting clergymen, priests there, uh, they don't call him pastors. They call him priests, I believe. Yeah, they call him priests. They will be arresting the priests and the pastors over in Ukraine. And the state of Ukraine, the nation of Ukraine, will be doing that. And all that's going to happen is that this will only increase. Why? Because the Ukrainian Orthodox Church has a fellowship, a brotherhood fellowship with fellow Orthodox Christian believers in Russia and anywhere. They are also allied with the Greek Orthodox Church. Why? We're brothers together in the Lord. So Zelensky and his people have seen fit say, now we're going to wage war against you, just like we're doing on the invading Russians. But it's not going to be the Russians. It's going to be the Orthodox Christians within Ukraine itself. So we are seeing a time of war means a time of limited freedoms. War has brought about this attack on the church. And as war mode is used and it steps into higher gear, war mode will be used to steal more and more freedoms from people. How many people remember 9-11, what happened in America? Well, they brought on the Patriot Act, and the people's rights and freedoms were stolen. And from that Patriot Act, we now have the TSA, the security apparatus, and another apparatus to steal your freedom. They make you go through an X-ray that if you should see the X-ray printout that these people on the other side are reading, it's like looking at your naked body, because that X-ray don't show bones and teeth. It shows your body and your body parts. Okay? And this is what they're doing. So it is used to steal freedom. Anytime a war comes around, more and more of the freedom we enjoy is taken away. We will not be able to speak our mind, we will not be able to publish information, we will not be able to read information. And now, as you can see, the church in Ukraine has been told you cannot fellowship with another Christian church, the Orthodox Church in Russia, because Russia is the enemy. Forget the fact that they are fellow brothers. They don't believe in what's going on. They are fellow Christians. So what does it mean? It means a pass massive 
push against Christianity has now begun. Let me, let me say that again so you understand. What we are seeing is that a massive push against Christianity has now begun. In this period of war and bloodletting, all this has begun a push, a mighty push against Christianity. Well, when you have wars beginning, what's happening? We have robbing, we have killing, we have destruction. We have lots of money to be made in war. The love of money is the root cause of all evil. And Satan's hogs, Satan's swines, they're gathered together at the war trough. They're in Washington, D.C. Say, hey, let's, let's vote another couple hundred billion dollars for war. We're $33 trillion in debt, but uh, don't worry about it. Let's vote another $100 billion or more. We want more war. We don't want peace. None of peace. You don't make no money in peace. So we don't want peace. Billions for war. But how much for peace? Zero. How much for helping the poor and the needy? Zero. How much are helping the American people? How much are doing anything here at home? Zero. But rather spend a couple billion dollars and spend it on water. Once we earmark that money, we'll never stop. It's going to be budgeted year after year after year after year. So watch out. There's money to be made in war. Christians promote peace, and they promote the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. I guess what? Because we promote peace, we don't promote war. Promote the, the Prince of Peace is rising against Christians. The people of Satan do not want peace. They want war. So when you talk about peace, you're talking about Jesus, and you're talking about the Prince of Peace. They don't want to hear that. And unfortunately, many Christians, the majority of Christians, they will talk peace only, but they will not speak war. You see, with Christians, there is not only talking peace, and the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, but we must also talk a warfare. We must speak what? A spiritual warfare. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So the war that we're speaking is not the same as the world's warfare. We're not speaking a guns and bullets warfare. We're not speaking bombs and missiles warfare. We're not speaking a blood and guts warfare. Where blood and guts is all over the place, strewed all over, people dismembered. No, we are speaking spiritual warfare. Many Christians only talk love. But they don't know how to make how how to wage warfare. They don't know how to make war. So what will happen to them is exactly what the Bible says. They'll encounter shipwreck. They'll come to know in a rude awakening, Satan is a robber, Satan is a killer, and Satan is a destroyer. Why? Because he's coming after you, coming after your peace, coming after your life, your mind. Coming after your health, 
your welfare, your well-being. He's coming after your money. He's coming after your home, your marriage, your children, your family. He's coming after everything you got. He wants to rob, kill, destroy. He does not know anything else. And if you do not know how to wage a good warfare, you'll encounter shipwreck just as all the apostles told his son, Timothy. Today, what are we seeing? We are seeing wars. We're hearing of rumors of wars. We are hearing how uh, warfare is evil, blood and guts, terrorism. We're hearing all about heinous crimes and things that have gone on, situations that have come true. We are hearing about all that. We are hearing about all that stuff. We're reading about it. And we are seeing the effects of it. And who's behind all this? Satan. And again, it's his plan. That's always has Warfare. That's the business. You'll need to make, earn some money. Bills. All right. That. And that we are doing what he has bid us to be done. We are to be in warfare. So a recalibration is needed. A rethinking is needed. Why? Because all this news about war and everything is distracting us. We're following it. I'm going to be the first one to tell you I'm following what's going on myself. Why? Because I want to keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on. The Lord just spoke to me and said, son, listen, didn't I tell you all these things are going to happen? You can get the overview, see what's going on, but don't be so intent about it. Don't be so intense about it. Don't be so meticulous about it. You're trying to get all the little details and follow up. Don't, no, 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 no. It's, the, it's become a diversion to you now. It's become a distraction. And what's happening with all of what's going on, becoming a diversion and a distraction to us, is we're losing time, quality time. Spent in prayer and the study of the word with Jesus. I was taught in Bible school. Many, several of my teachers, very wonderful, awesome men of God, they taught us and they said, never be too busy with the work of God that you don't have time 
for God. It's better you put down some of the work that you're doing for the Lord and make sure that you put that time into time with the Lord. Don't shortchange his quality time with him. And what's happened today is we are seeing this diversion and this distraction. That's what this war is doing. So that's, it's, it's a distraction to us. It's become a diversion. It's become theater. And when you look at what's going on in the war, you can look at these people, and you see a bunch of clowns running around and doing things and saying things. They're a bunch of clowns. These are the leaders we have, and these are the guys running the war. And wherever you have a bunch of clowns running around or running uh, the clown show, you have a circus. That's where you find circus clowns running around, running around, and doing all kind of crazy stuff in the circus. And this is what we have going on today with wars and rumors of wars. It's become a circus, become a diversion and distraction. Unfortunately, real people are going to get killed, thousands of them, dismembered. Diseases are going to run rampant. The repercussions of war, the spin-off of wars, is going to be very, very hard in many nations. It's going to make bitter, bitter enemies of people, nations between nations. But isn't that what Jesus told us? Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And if we are going to see that. So all of what we've seen right now is coming to pass in the Bible. But what the Lord is saying and telling me to tell you, and telling me first, because he's talking to me, the husbandman is the first partaker of the fruit. I'm the first partaker of the message. Don't spend so much time on war. Don't spend so much time on this. It's become a distraction to you. It's become a diversion to you. Spend the time with me. Not that you can't read and see what's going on, but you're too immersed in it. Am I making sense to you? And this is, the, this is the word God is giving me. He has given me this word. I want to share this word with you because I know some of you, you're very concerned. And you watch that television, you read stuff, and you see what's going on, and you start thinking the, 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 the gears and you and some of you, the wiring is getting hot, and, and in some people, it's burning up. <clears throat> God is saying to us, let's recalibrate. Let's recalibrate. Let's readjust our brains. Too much energy is wasted watching and following wars instead of warfare prophesying. Listening to the voice of the master, the commander-in-chief, and declaring what the commander-in-chief is telling us to declare. We are to prophesy against the wicked and their wicked works. And if you spend so much time seeing every little nook and every little thing and every little detail, what's going on over here, what's going on over there, you won't have time to do your main job, to do your main assignment. So. Here's what we got to do. We got to recalibrate. So let's go to the Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy 1. Turn your Bibles there, please. 1 Timothy 1. 
verse 18 says, This charge I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecy that you by them might war a good warfare. War a good warfare. I charge you, I commit to you, according to the prophecies which went on you before, that by these prophecies you might war a good warfare. Nothing is going to fall in place. The devil is there to rob, kill, destroy. And he'll make sure to see if he can grab your blessings before it comes in your hands. It will come close to your hands. It might even touch your fingertips. But Satan doesn't want it coming into your hands. Every time you thought it would come, oh, yes, here it is. And you can see it. You can feel it. You can taste it. You can even smell it. But guess what? Before you know it, before it comes in your hand, it becomes a puff of cloud and puff of smoke. All the Lord is saying to you, you got to war a good warfare. we got to rise above the crowd. we got to rise above the noise. We must rise above the deceptions that's going on in the world. It's all the plan of the devil. We must come to the understanding that the world is running on delusion, on deception. That's what the Bible tells us. They would not... They did not love the truth. So the Bible says, because they had no love for the truth, God says, I will send them strong delusions. That they would believe a lie rather than the truth. What will God say? Hey, you want it? You got it. You don't want Jesus. All right, no problem. But I'm going to give you what you want because you have rejected him. And if you reject him, this is what you're going to get. So you're going to get deceptions. Whereas the church who desire Jesus were firmly rooted in truth, in the word of God. We know ourselves by knowing what was promised to us. We know ourselves by knowing what God has affirmed us to be. Let me say that again. We are called upon to know yourself. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a woman thinketh in her heart, so is she. You are to know yourself. If you don't know yourself, how is somebody else going to know you when you don't even know yourself? You need to know yourself, and then by knowing yourself and you being yourself, your real self, when you begin to uh, communicate with people, interact with people, then they will know you because uh, you know yourself. But if there is confusion in you as to don't know who you are, don't know what you are, people won't know who you are or what you are either. People need positive influences. People need positive affirmation. And you have to affirm yourself in them. That's why you, you hear me when people ask me, how are you? I'm awesome. I'm amazing. Why? I know myself. Why? I know Jesus. And he's awesome. And he's amazing. So I know myself. 
I know what was promised to me. I know the affirmations of God to me. And I want you to know what was promised to you. And I want you to know the affirmations of God, what God says about you. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I want you to know yourself that when you see things begin to happen, you won't lose it. You won't fly off the handle. You won't melt like butter in the noonday sun. You with us won't get your mind blown. No, we don't want all that stuff, okay? We want you to know yourself, knowing what was promised to you. God promised me this. He gave me his word. He told me, Norman, I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. Whoa. You mean I'm in the same boat as Moses? Yes, Moses is dead. Norman, you're alive. No one shall come and, and tackle you, Norman, come against you. In the same way I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. No man, no living man can stand before you to oppose you as long as you live, Norman. Really, Lord? Yes. That's what I promised Moses. I promised Joshua also. You mean I'm in the same camp? Oh, yes, yes, yes. They are dead. You're alive, Norman. Pick up, pick up what I'm telling you. But if you don't receive it, Norman, if you don't know the promises, Norman, and if you don't, if you're not affirmed by it, if you don't stand firmly upon it, if you don't root yourself and ground yourself, it's not going to work for you. If you waver, Norman, you'll be double-minded, and anybody, any person double-minded will not receive anything from the Lord. So, Norman, you must have a single mind. You must stand on my word. You must know yourself, Norman. You know yourself. But knowing by knowing what was promised to you, Norman. You know yourself, Norman, by knowing my affirmation, what I say about you. I call you, Norman. I call you mighty man of valor. Lord knows I was a chicken. Used to be a chicken, but the Lord called me a mighty man of valor. And I heard when he spoke to me several years. He says, rise up, mighty warrior. I heard him. He called me what? Mighty warrior. He said, rise up, mighty warrior. And I'm going to speak to you tonight. You mighty man of valor. You mighty woman of valor. You mighty warrior. I want to speak and I want to affirm you tonight. This is what the Lord says to tell you who you are. He says you're more than a conqueror through him who loved you and who gave his life for you. You're not because Jesus made you so. Where do we get this affirmation from? Where do we get this promises from? We get it from the word. And when we go in the word and we follow the word, guess what? We come to know ourselves. It ain't going to happen overnight. Took me a couple of years to get where I'm at. Thank God he was patient with me. Hallelujah. But he kept up with me. And I kept up with him. And finally, I can say, yes, yes, Lord, I got it. I got a certain level. 
I got a certain amount of proficiency. I don't have the full thing yet. I don't have all of what it takes yet, but I'm working on it. I'm getting there. But I have a certain amount of proficiency that I can teach you and bring you into. You see, I'm at a certain level, not fully there yet. I don't believe any man has gotten to the full, not even Moses, because he's just a man. But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. God is not finished with me yet. I'm still a work in progress. So let's turn our Bibles to John the 8th chapter. John the 8th chapter. I want you to see a word for yourself. I'm going to bring you in the word so you see it for yourself. And when you see it, the spirit of a living God will open your eyes to it. John 8, John the 8th chapter, verse 31. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, the believing Jews, those who believed on him. Look at what he said. Let me let me rephrase that. Then Jesus said to the Christians, all the people who have believed on him, not just the Jews, the Bible says the Jews, but all the people, the Christians, Jews, Christians, Scythian, freemen, bond, Greeks, anybody who believes on him. He said, if you continue in my words, if you continue in my doctrines, if you continue in my teachings, if you continue in my word, what's going to happen? You really are my disciples. So in other words, let me rephrase that. My disciples continue in my word. For a disciple to really be my disciple, you must continue in the Word of God. You must continue in the Word of God. You must study the Word of God. You must be constantly reading the Word. And say, oh, what 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 this mean, Lord? What is this? How do I how do I unpack this? How do I reverse engineer this? What, what, what uh, explain this to me, Lord? You got you got to be constantly in the Word. If you continue, only an if. You continue in the word. Then are you truly a disciple of God. So in other words, to be truly a disciple of the Lord, you must continue in the word of God. So what if we're too busy, we're too distracted, we're watching TV, you want to see what's going on with the war, and we want to see what's going on, then you're not really Jesus' disciple. I didn't say it, he said so. If, whenever you see the word if, always followed by then, okay? Look at it. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. If and then. If is the us part, and then is the results part. So here Jesus lays down a principle that you must continue in his word you start out but you got to continue everything about jesus is word it's word based he will not do anything outside of his word he will not perform any other word but his word 
That's why he tells us about his word. He says his word will not return unto him ineffective, but will accomplish that which he pleases. That's why he tells us, if you dwell in me, you abide in me, and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. If and then, conditionality. If you don't, then uh -uh, you won't get it. If you do, then you'll get it. You got it. So we must understand. We must know truly and understand that this is what Jesus said. Continuation in my word. Then you're proven to me and you're proven to others that you are my disciples indeed. Indeed, by action, continuing, continuing in the word. And look at verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And you shall know, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Knowing the truth is our aim and our intention. We shall know it if we continue in the word of God. And when we know it, that truth that we know, that we have come to know and acquaint ourselves with, that truth will make you free. Truth makes free. Let me say that again, because you see, all this is Bible. The truth will make you free. Truth makes free. When you come to know the word of God and it gets in your brain, it gets in your spirit, then you are free. You say, oh, now I understand. Before, you were in the dark. Didn't understand. But, oh, now I see it. Now I understand. Now you're in the light. The light bulb was turned on. Truth makes free. When you didn't understand, you were bound. What were you bound by? Lack of knowledge, ignorance. You're bound in darkness because you did not know the truth. I was bound in darkness. I didn't know about the, tr the truth about Jesus. I, al I always thought that Jesus was a faker. I always thought that Jesus was a, you know, you know, just another guy out there. And, you know, I was an atheist. Didn't know any better. Thank God, Jesus said, forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're, they're doing. Norman didn't know what he was doing. But Jesus said, if you continue in my truth, if you continue in my word, my word is truth, you will know the truth, the real truth, and nothing but the truth. And the truth that you know shall make you free. I can say and I can testify I'm a free man. Why? Because I know the truth. I don't know all truth because I don't know all the Bible. Well, I should know it anyway. No man will know everything. Not even Paul the Apostle knew everything. No man can exhaust the knowledge of God and know everything about God. The Bible says he's unsearchable, okay? He is what? Unsearchable. 
He's past finding out. You can't know everything about God. But he gives us enough in the Bible to know him with and by and through. And we have more than enough in the Bible. And even the Bible does not tell us everything about God. I can tell you that for a fact. In the book of Revelation, the Bible says, seven thunders uttered their voices. And uh, uh, John the Revelator was about to write, and Jesus said, nope, don't write it. That's just for you to hear, for your ears only, for your eyes only, not for everybody else. Anybody else who want to know what the seven thunders said, let them come to me and ask me themselves. Secret of the Lord is with those who reverence him. So if you come to God, he will reveal it to you. Go to God, and he'll give you a secret. All right? So we must continue in the word of God and to be really his disciples. And then when we do so, we will know the truth. And look at the word no. No means having an intimate relationship with, a deep, intimate, personal relationship with. That word know is the same word as a man knowing his wife and the two of them uh, uh, knowing each other. They produce children. Intimacy producing children. Babies. God says you shall know the truth. Why? You have an intimate relationship with me. You have an intimate relationship with the Bible, with the word. Jesus said you must continue in my word. To be my disciple. You're not my disciple if you don't continue in the word. You want to know me? Continue in my word. You want to interact with me? Continue in my word. Get in the word. Go after the word. When you do so, the truth will be revealed to you. And the truth you know will make you free. There's something about reading the word. Listen carefully. When we go in the Bible and we read a word, we read from a page, from a book. Pages that were written. Words are written on the page. That's called the Logos. Anybody can buy a Bible and read it, blah, 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 blah. They don't make no sense to you. Why am I saying that? It didn't make no sense to me when I was an atheist. And even when I just got saved, many things didn't make no sense to me either. I didn't know that this Bible had to be spiritually discerned. The Bible didn't make no kind of sense to me. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, forget it. Genesis, Exodus, Revelation, worse. It make no kind of sense. I was an atheist. But guess what made sense to me? Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. Why? Because, you see, that's the real life picture. That's where the rubber hits the road of life. Psalms, games people played, things people do. It made every sense in the world to me. Why? Because I saw what mankind has gone through. I saw all the games that were played before. Same games are being played today. Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, that's how my grandmother raised me. She was a proverbial granny. And all the proverbial sayings, I say, whoa, look at this. And I could see over the course of my life when my granny used to say certain things and the people of that day, age, and time, not educated Know how to read and write, but not too much education. You know what I mean. But 
They had proverbial wisdom. And I was a little boy back then. Seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> you know, didn't know anything, but I heard proverbial wisdom. And when I came, I started reading. I said, whoa, my grandparents did know something. They were smart. They were intelligent. Because they know the proverbial wisdom of God, the wisdom books. And God says, you will know the truth. Truth will be revealed to you. So when you read the word, it's the Logos. But when a revelation comes, it's no longer just a written word. It becomes the Rhema. Why? Because you get a revelation from it. It becomes what? The living word. It becomes the what? Active word. Living and active. How do you know that? Why do you say that? Because the word is spirit and it is life. It has a life all by and of itself. That's why you got to get in there. Don't lock down and lock up with all this stuff with war talk and war rumors and see how many things and see, oh, look at that, body parts over here and body parts over there. You know, you can go on Telegram and what do you call it, X, and see a whole lot of that stuff. Don't get bogged down on that. Let's do a recalibration and get to the business at hand. And today I want to teach you something. I want to leave you with solutions. Ezekiel 11. Turn your Bibles to Ezekiel 11. We want to get solutions from the Bible. I taught you this before. I'm going to teach you again. We want results. We want it from the Word. And Ezekiel, the 11th chapter, it says judgment on Israel's leaders. Judgment upon the leaders. Do you know the world has leaders? There's one guy named Klaus Schwab. There's another guy named Bill Gates, Mr. Injection. And you have some people running around. You know, they're super billionaires and they want to rule the world because they got money. And they all belong to a certain club. And people believe, oh, well, they're so big and they're so high and mighty, we can't do anything about it, really. That's not what my Bible teaches me. My Bible says I must continue in the word. I get to know the word. I know the truth, and the truth I know shall set me free. So I've been freed by this truth that I'm going to teach you tonight. One man makes a difference when it comes to the evil, wicked leaders of the world. Okay, he talks about judgment on Israel's leaders. Ezekiel, the 11th chapter, says, The Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gateway of the Lord's temple, where I saw 25 prominent men of the city. Prominent men. Among them were Jazaniah, son of Azur, and Pelatiah, son of Benaiah. Who were leaders among the people? So here you look at 25 of the prominent men, leaders among the people. These were like the mayor or the governors and big shots, you know, or senators and congressmen, president, 25 of them. Prominent men, leaders. And the spirit discerned them and told me who they were. The Spirit said to me, Son of man, these are the men, the leaders, the prominent men, 
who are planning evil and giving wicked counsel in this city. You see that? The leaders, the spirit of the Lord, discerned them and told Ezekiel, your problem in this city is coming from these wicked men. They're evil. These are the men who are planning evil and giving wicked counsel in the city. They say to the people, it is not a good time to build houses. This city is like an iron pot and we are, like, we are safe inside it, like meat in a pot. So they begin to tell the people certain things which were not of God, ungodly. Where did this come from? If it didn't come from the Lord, then it had to come from the devil. Verse 4, it says, Therefore, Son of Man, prophesy against them loudly and clearly. Don't pray for them. Prophesy against them. Why? Because I'm going to do something that's going to make your ears tingle. Prophesy against them. Don't pray for them. Prophesy against these wicked men, these evil men. Verse 5, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon me, and he told me to say. He gave me the words to speak. We do not speak our own words. We are given the words to speak by who? The Spirit of the Lord. Where do we get the word of the Spirit of the Lord? It's right there in your Bible. So many promises of God. You have the book of Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, so many portions of Scripture all over the Bible. I keep telling people, I say, start with Psalm 91. That's where the Lord led me, and that's where he made me to start, Psalm 91. I pray Psalm 109 constantly. Anybody sending fiery darts my way is going back to you, buddy. I'm not your dartboard. Neither am I your doormat. Neither am I your punching bag. So don't even think it. It's going right back to you. The pit you dig for me, mm -mm. you go fall in that pit yourself. It ain't coming my way. As for me and my house, mm -mm. not coming here. And I want you adopt you to adopt the same attitude. You're not going to do anything to destroy my house, my marriage, me and my husband, me and my wife. Me and my children, no, you ain't going to take over in this house. Jesus is going to take over in this house. He's the Lord of this house, and we must have peace in this house. We work hard. Well, it's not just that way you work hard to get some money, but you must pray hard too. War a good warfare. So the Spirit of the Lord came on him and told him what to say, gave him the word of God. This is what the Lord says to the people of Israel. I know what you are saying, for I know every thought that comes into your minds. What? Tell him. God says to tell you. I know what you are saying. I know everything you are saying. I know every thought that comes into your brain. I know what you think before you even think it. I know your thoughts are afar off. Whoa. You know what's in my thoughts, God? I better clean up my thoughts. I better watch my thoughts. Yes, you're right. 
I know every thought that comes into your mind. I know what you're saying. And he told them, verse 6, tell them, you have murdered many in this city and you have filled the streets of this city with the dead bodies. Tell them this is what they have done. Just so they know that you know because I've revealed it to you, you tell them. I told you to tell them. You have murdered many in this city. They were evil. They were wicked. They murdered. So that makes them what? Murderers. They're murderers. Evil. Wicked. Murderers. Murdered many people in the city. And filled the streets with what? Dead people. You're responsible, leaders, politicians. You're responsible, president, cabinet, senators, congressmen. You're responsible, Supreme Court justices. It's you who's responsible for all this. The blame is on your shoulders. Tell them. Verse 7, therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And then God says, tell them, this is what I've shown you. I know what's going on. I know the score. This is what God says. God says, tell them this city is an iron pot, all right. But the pieces of meat are the victims of your injustice. It was your injustice that caused the people to die. It is what? Your injustice, your wicked, your evil, your murderers. It was your injustice. That's what God told them. Does that sound like what's going on today? Does that sound like what's going on in D.C.? Does that sound like what's going on in many nations of the world? The wickedness, the injustice, the murder, the evil, the plotting, the scheming. No peace. They're plotting for war. And anybody who says peace, they shoot them down right away. Huh. Better watch yourself. You're the victims of your injustice. So God knows the score. As for you, I will soon drag you from this spot. I'll bring you, I'll bring on you the sword of war you so greatly fear. I'll bring you to war. And the war, the sword of war will tear you up, says the sovereign Lord. I'll drive you out of Jerusalem and hand you over to foreigners who will carry out my judgments against you. Whoa. I'll drag you out of your strongholds and your safe places. I'll make foreigners get you, kidnap you, take you away, and bring their judgment and their justice on you. And their judgment and their justice on you will be my judgment. They will carry out my judgment against you, wicked leaders. Bring it on, Lord. I love it. This thing is getting real nice. No wonder I love the word of God. Because this is what I want to see God do. Because these people are wicked. They're evil. And there's nothing we can do. God does not want you picking up sticks and stones and going at them. Vengeance is mine and I will repay, said the living God. Yes, Lord. Let me see your vengeance upon these wicked men, Lord. Prophesy, Norman. Prophesy against them. Yes, Lord, I will. 
This is what I'm doing, and this is what I'm telling you to do. Use the word of God and prophesy against them. Verse 10 says, you will be slaughtered all the way to the borders of Israel. You will be killed. You'll be slaughtered. I'll, I'll make sure they kill you. They'll slaughter you, chop your little pieces all the way to the borders of Israel. Bring it on, Lord. Bring it on. They have caused many people to die. They have murdered many. Dead corpses are on the street because of these people. And all of it. And what do they do? They dress up in three-piece suits. They eat the best. Lobsters and steak. They drink the best. They got nice, big, hefty uh, monies coming in. And they split the pot among everybody. And everybody's taken care of. Slaughter them, Lord. Kill them, Lord. Your judgment upon them. Yes, Lord, bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on, Lord. I will do the prophesying so you can bring it on. Go, go on somewhere. He goes on. He says, I will execute judgment on you. You will know that I am the Lord. When you execute the judgment on them, they will know for sure you are the sovereign Lord. No, this city will not be an iron pot for you. You will not be like meat safe inside it. I'll judge you even to the borders of Israel. I'll hound you. I'll drive you to the borders of Israel. But I won't judge you. My judgment is going to rest on you. Verse 12, you will know that I am the Lord, for you have refused to obey my decrees and regulations. Instead, you have copied the standards of the nations around you. You become wickeder than the nations around you. You're evil. You're ungodly. You're rebellious against God. You become reprobate. Beyond hope of salvation. That's what the word reprobate means. You're worse than the nations all around. You're worse than the wicked Sodomite nations. You're out abomination them. Your abominations are ten times, a hundred times worse than these nations. You're wicked and you're evil and you hide in the dark. And you hide your wicked ways, shedding innocent blood. But I found you out. And I will what? Slaughter you. This was what Ezekiel was told to speak. Verse 13 says, Ezekiel eleven thirteen. while I was still prophesying, something peculiar happened. Well, what happened, brother Ezekiel? Well, Pelatiah, the son of Benaiah, he suddenly died. What? Really? Yes, he did. Hallelujah. Goodbye, bad rubbish. Mm. The word that we read before said they were bad rubbish. So if I said goodbye, bad rubbish, I'm in biblical order. They were evil murderers. Evil, wicked murderers. Unjust, full of injustice. 
while I was prophesying, Pelatiah, the son of Benaiah, suddenly died. God killed him. So frightened was Ezekiel. Ezekiel fell on his face on the ground and cried, Oh, sovereign Lord, are you going to kill everyone in Israel? Well, I'm not going to ask God if he's going to kill everybody. He's the righteous judge. He will kill the wicked for sure. I know that. But he will spare the righteous. That's why we have to teach people the need to become righteous. We are the righteousness of God through and by, only by, a living Jesus, Nazareth. And if you don't know him, you have not embraced him. You need to embrace him. You need to surrender to Jesus. You need to give in and give up to Jesus of Nazareth. Because if you don't, it will mean that you're unrighteous, mean that you're wicked and you're evil. Surely the vengeance of God will be upon you and upon your life. When you surrender to him, he'll take out that wicked, evil soul, that wicked, evil heart. He'll give you a new heart. He'll bring you to love your fellow man, your brothers and your sisters, just like you love yourself. So, this is what God revealed to Ezekiel. He told him, this is how I render judgment upon a nation and upon the leaders of a nation. Can we do it? Of course we can do it. Not in your own might, not in your own power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. We use the sword of the Spirit. We use the word of the living God. When we use the word, not if we use the word, when we use the word, God who watches over his word will bring it into performance. We declare, we speak, we recite the word. And God brings it into performance. He will do the word. He will manifest the word. And this is what I want you to do tonight. Don't get bogged down, distracted, diverted with what you see going on. Let's get to the business of what we are supposed to be doing. Let's get to the chief business, the main business, warring a good warfare. Because you see, there's the kingdom of God, and then there is the world. Satan is the god of this world, and he has blinded the minds of those who do not believe in Jesus. Second Corinthians 4 and 4. So if Satan is the god of this world, he'll do his thing. But when it comes to us, we must go after higher things. That's why we need to recalibrate. Set our sights a little higher. Go after knowing who Jesus is in a deeper fashion. Go after knowing who we are. Go after knowing our purpose here. Go after knowing our affirmation. Go after knowing who we are in ourselves. When we begin to know all that and have our answers, and we know that we know that we know that we know, we know the truth. And the truth will make us free. The word of God will make us free. Bible Code 7 is to bring you into truth. All truth. Bring you to know and understand that the Holy Spirit is to guide us into all truth. 
show us of things to come. And what the Holy Spirit hears from Jesus, he'll make no unknown to us. We need to make sure that the Holy Spirit makes it no unknown to us. When we know it, when we hear from him, because it comes from Jesus, that will be a rhema word. And when he tells us to do what he tells us to do, to pray, let's get to prayer, let's get busy. Great things are coming our way. Don't be afraid. Don't be frightened. Don't give in to terror. Don't give in to fright because, you see, I don't know if you ever heard of the game called Chicken. Two cars would come at each other, and they would wait for the last minute, coming at great speed, before they turn each away from the other. Chicken. Well, we're not playing a game. We're playing certainty. We what? We're doing something that's certain. And as long as we do what is certain, Jesus will be there to back us up. All right? So know for yourself, this is no game. It comes to the word of God. Thy word is truth. This is truth. And the Lord watches over his word to make sure that every word is backed up. Nothing falls to the ground. Bible Code 7 is to teach you and make sure you understand and have clarity about what this word will do. That whatsoever God promises, it must and will be fulfilled. So don't be afraid. Let's recalibrate tonight. Turn off the distractions. Just get some news enough, you know, and then turn down the rest of it. And let's make sure that we are warring. A good warfare. Let's make sure that we are continuing in the word and truly be disciples of Jesus. And then we will know the truth. The truth that we know will make us free. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Both now until Jesus returns, have yourself an awesome and amazing day. God bless you. We'll catch you again next week.